finally happened. The Hard Knock Sorority Podcast has had their first audio foobar. Episode 17, Locked Doors, ends where the audio file for session number 8 ended. But unfortunately, that is not where the game session ended. In fact, I didn't even realize this until I was editing session 9 and started searching in vain for the audio we were missing. To make matters worse, the audio we are missing is pretty critical. It could have been Technomancers. It could have been Cecile covering the team's tracks. I don't know. In any case, I wanted to reach out to you and apologize for our long absence and assure you that we are now back on track and will continue to release episodes at our usual rate of about one a week. Thank you for continuing to share your time with us. So in order to get this episode back on track, I'm going to do a bit of narration. Please bear with us as we work to overcome these technical difficulties. Grace looked at her friend Boxer with wide eyes. I can't open this with magic, she said. Damn it, Boxer swore. Over her comlink, she called the girl, Cecile. Hey, college girl, we have a problem up here. I think we need your help. Yeah, okay, what is it? Cecile responded from the van. Maglock, we need you to hack it, Boxer answered. What makes you think I can hack a Maglock? I'm not a criminal, came back the retort. Boxer looked pained. Ugh, fine. I'll take care of it myself. Then she spun and kicked in the office door. Grace took a surprise step back and looked from the door to Boxer. Yeah, yeah, I know. Hopefully no one heard that. You cover the door and watch my back. Cecile, we are on the clock. What does that even mean? Cecile shot back. Never mind, Boxer answered, as she quickly surveyed the room with a practiced eye. There wasn't much furniture, a desk and a bookshelf. It smelled musty and unused. The floor to ceiling windows overlooking the car park were perfect for her purposes, though. Boxer muscled the desk into place. Then she went and extracted a small device from her harness and attached it to the glass. There was a quick hiss and the device cut a perfectly round hole in the glass. Boxer removed the device and dropped the circle of glass onto the floor. Her bag was on the desk. She quickly unpacked and assembled the Walter MA-1200, fit the silencer and deployed the the bipod. Resting the bipod on the desk, she sighted through the optics and let the smart gun link kick in. The reticle imposed over her vision showed her the car park and Grace's van and Deandra's bike. Deandra and Ice were standing at the back of the van waiting. Presumably the college girl was in the van. Perfect. I'm in position, she said over her comlink. Behind her, she heard the pony moving to cover the door. A few minutes later, Deandra called in. He'll be here in two minutes. From her position, Boxer watched another big motorcycle pull into the car lot. Through the scope and her image-enhancing cyber eyes, she recognized the knight-errant officer, Jim Ansel. Or, she supposed, she should think of him as George Van Housen. According to Prokop and Ice, that was his real name, and he was a former Lone Star captain and vigilante. It didn't matter, she thought to herself. A target's a target. Through the scope, Jim, George, whatever, the target appeared remarkably nonchalant for someone making deals with Shadowrunners. But then again, she supposed the man was arrogant and didn't really have any reason to expect trouble. From his perspective, he wasn't the actual goal of the crew. They were about to disabuse him of that notion. 
Arrogance leads to miscalculations. He'd made one hell of a miscalculation tonight. George Van Housen was a big man with short, military-style blonde hair. He carried himself with the natural swagger and ease of the self-righteous. As he pulled up the big Harley behind the van, he grinned inwardly. The van was, the van was so stereotypical of these criminal types. Perfect for carrying not a crew and their loot, but short on speed and handling. The back doors were open and flanked by the oddly green elven woman and the older human male who he had met at Greasy Bend's. They had made the smart choice when confronted and agreed to give up their Johnson in exchange for being allowed to collect whatever meager payout the Drek bag had offered them. George Van Housen had been dealing with shadow scum for all of his professional life, and that was saying something. Whoever their Johnson was had it in for one of the recruits he was training, for whom he was responsible, and that wasn't something he could let slide. The young men and women under his command were his responsibility, and he was going to make damn sure that they completed their training and went on to become the best goddamn officers on the force. If that meant taking some scumbags back behind the proverbial woodshed, whatever that meant, and giving them a good thrashing, it wouldn't be the first time. The Shadow Riders might be gone, but that didn't mean he had to tolerate these gutter punks. He grinned insolently at the two Shadow Runners as he pulled up and stopped the big bite. Always let them know who's in charge, he thought. The older human male looked like he was well past his prime, but he carried himself in a way that Van Housen recognized. The blue spiral tattoos on his face were faded like his pale blue eyes that watched him impassively. If it came to it, he would be the first one Van Housen took down. The elven woman was different. Her green patterned skin and strange eyes were a bit unnerving, but between her old-fashioned clothes and insisting on carrying an obsolete weapon like a rapier, left him confident she didn't ultimately pose much of a threat. There was also the younger human female in the back of the van. He couldn't quite place her in the team. She didn't have the attitude to be effective, to be an effective face, and she seemed both uncomfortable and out of her depth. So she was probably the group's decker. Nothing to worry about. He didn't see the changeling or the dog. One less thing to worry about. You have the recording? Deandra asked the racist piece of dreck. He was the kind of human and the kind of law enforcement officer she despised. Arrogant, racist, and self-righteous. He reached into his armored jacket and pulled out a data stick. Sure do, Van Housen answered. Up in the abandoned office, Boxer saw the data stick in the man's hand. That's all the signal I need, she thought. Boxer smiled grimly. The smart link reticle rested center mass on the target's chest, and she trusted the work she had put into zeroing the optics and calibrating them to, to her cyber eyes. The rifle was loaded with gel rounds. The point was to take the target alive. She exhaled gently and her smart link triggered the rifle. The shock pads absorbed the recoil and between the silencer and the audio dampers in her cyber ears, the shot registered only as a slight pop. The impact of the gel round on Van Housen's armored jacket staggered the man, but he was fast. A look of anger and outrage flashed onto his face as he drew an Ingram smart gun from under his jacket and triggered a burst at Deandre Nice. Staggered as he was from the impact of the high-velocity round and off-balance on the heavy motorcycle, the burst went wide. Then Boxer Smartling triggered her second 
shot, and the gel round slammed into Van Housen, sending him and his motorcycle to the ground. The ingroom clattered on the pavement. Ice bent over and scooped up the unconscious man and deposited him in the back of the van. Deandra brought out a set of plasteel cuffs and secured him while making sure he was still alive. Then she searched the motorcycle and picked up the data stick. Cecile in the van gritted her teeth and searched the down cop for RFID tags. He seemed clean. We need to get out of here, she yelled. Ice scrambled into the back of the van and Deandra was starting her own bike. Up in the office, Boxer swiftly dismantled and stowed her rifle. Now to get back to the van as quickly as possible, Nightingale, she said. That elevator wasn't quick, Nightingale thought. Why wouldn't we just go straight back to my van? Humans could be so confusing. But then she realized her friend Boxer was mundane and hadn't thought the situation through from the perspective of magic. She cast a spell and magically gripping the desk propelled it through the window. The glass, already weakened from having a hole cut in it, shattered. Nightingale released the desk and it plummeted out of sight along with the fragments of the window pane. Trek, Nightingale! We aren't trying to attract attention, Boxer yelled. I know a quicker way, Nightingale yelled back. Hold on! Before Boxer could react, Nightingale grabbed her with telekinesis and holding on to her friend took a flying leap out of the window. As her hooves left the softness of the carpet, she cast again. Boxer clutching her gear bag, mouth opened in surprise, and the pony glided quickly and gracefully down to the waiting van. Safely back on the ground, Boxer said, don't ever do that again, as she threw her bag into the back of the van and clambered in next to ice. At least not without warning me. The Topps Company, Inc. has sole ownership of the names, logo, artwork, marks, photographs, sounds, audio, video, and or any proprietary material used in connection with the game Shadowrun. The Topps Company, Inc. has granted permission to the Hard Knock Sorority Podcast to use such names, logos, artwork, marks, and or any proprietary materials for promotional and informational purposes on its website, but does not endorse and is not affiliated with the Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast in any official capacity whatsoever. The music for the Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast was written and performed by Trace Mineral. The Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons License 4.0, meaning you are welcome to use the material as long as you give us credit.